All right, welcome to the Irish Whip this week. I am Big Joe, here with JP, and we got our first guest right off the bat with us. How you doing, Big Joe? We have the original Sin. What up? How are you, buddy? You doing all right? I'm doing all right. I just worked out. Had me a big shake, so I'm going to try not to make any disgusting noises on while I'm here with you. Hey, dude, we're not censored. Come on, let it go. So, JP, Hassan, you go right ahead. I'll, man. I'll prep some for you. Give me. You got a burp. You got a fart ready, man. Just put it right up to the phone. Let, let it rip. You know, just, just like you were, just like you were doing the electric chair with Carnival Diablo. All right. Uh, you know what? I've never, I've never broke wind in the in the electric chair, but I think now that you just put that in my brain, I might have to bring that to the table next time around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right off the bat, real quick, we had a question coming at me and JP from the chat room from Gary Brown. He's one of our listeners over in England. He wants to know who are. He wants to know who our favorite wrestlers of all time are. And I'm going to have to throw mine out there. I'm going to have to go with the first one I remember watching back in the day. would have to be Andre. Andre? All right. Okay. Um, I would have to say I was in awe of Andre, but my favorites were Macho Man and Jake Roberts all the way. That's a, I mean, I and, and at re, when I was a kid, at recess, I was always Roddy Piper. <laughs> Get to be the loudmouth. I'm going to take Piper for my favorite of all time, but the one that probably sticks in my head the most, and I'm probably going to take a little bit of heat from this, is Hogan. So I'd say it'd be pretty close between Piper and Hogan. Yeah, so with me going back, I remember, the, it's like, you know, the, it's like they always tell you, you always remember your first. The first person I ever remember seeing watching wrestling is Andre the Giant. Black and white, I was holding the rabbit ears to my grandfather's Andre, and it's just stuck in my head forever. Then going through the years, of course, you have, you know, different eras, different decades, you have a different favorite. But at that time, it was Andre who sticks in my mind. You know, when I was a kid, I got to see Andre live in my hometown of Toronto. Um, it was at the, the big event where uh, Steamboat and Jake worked, and they had the, you know, they had the little dragon and the snake and what have you, and the machines and Paul Orndorff and whatnot. And, I mean, there was... An unprecedented amount of people. And you could just, you could look around like, where's Waldo? And you could find Andre every time. I mean, he just stuck out. So, I mean, I can totally understand just how impressive he was. And, and I don't think it's it's an uncool thing to, to like Hulk Hogan. I think um, most wrestlers wouldn't be wrestling today if it wasn't for Hulk. So, you know, there you have it. Like, every generation has their person who personifies the era. Right. And in the 80s, it was Hogan. Well, I mean, he he did things in a in a really smart way. I mean, you know, he he wrestled. I mean, he was a big, huge superhero kind of guy, right? So, I mean, he didn't appeal to, you know, just to, to the next guy over. He always appealed to what people aspired to be. He was that superhero. You know, he Lodge was Superman, and, you know, that was it. Just that like Sin, it. the anti-superhero. Oh, you're very... Well, <laughs> sure, I'll take that. Why not? <laughs> now, you get a DVD out right now, Warrior One Wrestling. Yes, sir. It's... Um, it was the show we did this summer up in uh, Ontario. Um, had uh, McFoley as a special ref in the main event against uh, with uh, Raven versus Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe had uh, Jimmy Hart in his corner. Um, it was a huge, huge show. It was something that we were all really proud of uh, putting on in, uh, in Canada. Sometimes Canada sort of the polite version of what the Russian bloc was. It's, it's sort of a, a land that's not... You know, it's separate from the states, but it's it's a cousin. But it's still it's got its limits, and you know we're polite and clean and safe. But the U.S. just has so much more. You know, the U.S. is just that land of opportunity, and and sometimes uh, wrestlers as skilled or or what have you as as they can be, uh, you know, Canadian, U.S., British, Japanese, whatever. 
sometimes just w- with the you know with with laws and whatnot and you know visas and what have you it just makes it makes i guess any non-american wrestler you know stuck in a sticky situation right off the get-go so we want to do a show that would really put over canadian talent and in turn you know just be a good show that anybody on the planet could see i mean people came to watch that show from italy from turkey from australia there was all sorts of there's a, tons of people from britain um you know just come like fans just coming to watch the show so we were just in awe we just thought that was totally cool something like that big you didn't throw it on on tv well i mean we what we wanted to do was and when i say we i mean um myself uh, Scott Moore, um, Rob Flago, who runs Squared Circle in Toronto, a handful of us that really put our brains together. We wanted to do a show that was basically an independent WrestleMania. We wanted to have the best of the best. We wanted to have skilled guys, you know, um, names, non-names, just just the best guys we could we could have, the most hardworking guys we knew, and that's what we did. And we basically threw a party. That's what it was, really. You know, I invited all the guys that that I really respected or do respect, and uh, we had a blast. It was a really fun show. I mean, looking and, uh, at, I'm, I'm looking at your MySpace, which people can get to from going to the original sin. That's the original sin with two ends dot com. Now I'll link it up to the your MySpace account where you have the the banner up there for the Warrior One Wrestling. There's not a name up there that I don't know. I mean, you say it's a lot of independent guys, but these independent guys are the top of the independents. Well, I mean, independent is really just saying non WWE. But I mean, a lot of those guys were former WWE, uh, former WCW, um, New Japan, CMLL, ROH, TNA. There was a smorgasbord of dudes on that show, and they all really worked hard. And I thought it, I thought it turned out to be a really great show, and I was really proud. Yeah, you said uh, being an independent, all that is is without contract. You know, <clears throat> basically, independent is just kind of a. I know it almost just. The word independent just sounds low budge, I think. I mean, yeah. free agent is a much nicer way, I think, to say it, because that's what we are. I mean, you know, we get paid to go all over the world and entertain where we're getting paid to entertain. And, you know, guys, some of these guys are so savvy. They've been to just about every country you can think of. So, you know, I mean, they've all got skills, and they've got worldly skills. They're not, you know, they're not guys that just, were, you know, were hired and then trained. These were guys that busted their asses and went here, there, and wherever. You know, to get acclaim, experience, TV time, everything, building up fan base, you know, everything. That's what it takes. And, I mean, they put in the legwork, and now it's paying off when they're getting, getting put on all these major shows. That's right. It's like, uh, last week we had uh, Petey Williams on, who was on, who was part of the show. Yeah, yeah, he, we were actually in the ring together. Petey and uh, Bobby Roode against uh, myself and Helvis, who was basically... Uh, he was the newest member of the, the new church at the time. Um, and basically, from that show on is where we officially branched out to be the tag team Beast of Burton. Um, he's a really great guy. He was trained by Al Snow and D'Lo Brown. Um, when I was first breaking in, he was one of the guys that was really instrumental in, in helping me out and, and showing me the ropes and what have you. And uh, we actually tagged here, there, and wherever, just sporadically and coincidentally, long before Slash and I ever tagged. And... Uh, it's funny we've never we've never had a three-way tag we've never done any six-man stuff the closest we ever came was we all got drunk at slash's house one night and passed out on his couch and that's <laughs> a, that's the close to uh to getting slashed in and uh and helvis in the ring at the same time but knock on wood and we'll we'll see what's up in the future i think that could happen that would be a nice match see the see you three going against team canada 
I think um, I think since Slash and Elvis, I think that would basically be you know a demolition for the new era, and I definitely think we would kick Team Canada's ass. Do you think they can handle the you know think the ring can handle that much demonic power? <laughs> I'll uh, make sure to uh, fireproof the ring before we uh, before we let our infernal. Uh... Make sure your Scotch guys got the blood out too. Yeah, we're gonna have yeah, to add right. hell to the World Cup. What's, what's that? speaking? What's that? We're gonna have to add hell to the World Cup tournament. The world, the, the World X Cup, they had uh, you know the land down under. Satan's world will have to bring their own uh, their team up there with the three of you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And actually, too, just uh, my my brain is, my my brain jumps for like Phoebe from Friends, so I'm all over the place. So this is what happens when you get Jack in an electric chair and get darts thrown at you for a living. I gotta see uh, that. When is that gonna come down to the states? Um, I don't know. Uh, they've got a lot of shows planned for uh, for Canada, and they've got shows I think planning for um, England. They're planning to do a, a loop of the island there. Um, that's all in the works. Um, I don't know. I would love to do a show in the States. I think it would totally freak out everybody. They've seen yeah, uh, a taste of it when uh, we did the, the dart the dart stunt with uh, Jim Mitchell and, and whatnot at TNA, but they've never seen the full-blown show, and there's some there's some crazy stuff that goes on on that show. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Now, I've well, checked out the website right now. It's the Carnival Diablo for people out there that don't know. Um, what's... What, how painful, how much pain can one man take now? What's the most painful thing that you've done there? Uh, the most painful thing is is the, well, obviously it's the electric chair, but um, I'll tell you a, a funny side story that uh, one time we were doing, um, we did, uh, okay, let me just put this in the words here. We are doing a show called Mind Trip for Discovery Channel that we filmed just before Christmas. Right. And we were going to do the electric chair and a few other uh, things. And we did the electric chair, and... The, the deal was on this mind trip was a few different performers. There was like a psychic and there were some paranormal guys and whatnot and then uh, a couple of the Diablo crew. And uh, the whole thing was supposed to be done in front of a panel of scientists so they could, you know, speculate and hypothesize and whatnot. So usually when I do the electric chair, I'm usually, you know, in, in my ridiculous fur pants and my leather boots and all that all that stuff. And I wanted to have the scientists have not a doubt in their mind and it's legit because, I mean, there is... Amperage coursing through your veins that can kill a horse, and I wanted people to know this. I want those scientists to know it. So what I did was I just walked out bare feet in just basically a pair of little black undies, and made sure like there was no room for for any speculation. And uh, when I get jacked in that chair, it's basically you just kind of go to that weird place, and you just get kind of that white light of pain. I can't even describe it, but it's not anything where you, you focus on aggression. You focus on serenity like it just you kind of you know the pain's coming and uh you just sort of buckle down and get to that that weird safe place and you just give her and uh, so anyway so what happened was i was in my bare feet and i just took my feet off the ground not even thinking about it because you know i wear these big ridiculous black boots and stuff so my feet are always touching the ground and sitting there like a little kid with my feet kind of dangling in between the chair not even you know thinking about it and I got jacked in that chair a handful of times trying to light the, the torch off of my tongue, which was sort of like a little tiny uh, arc of lightning comes off of my tongue, and I light this torch. And it wasn't taking, and the more we tried it, like I've never tried it more than twice without, you know, really having a headache and smelling like burnt egos the next, you know, for the next three days. But I couldn't figure out what was going on, and it just started making me angry because... 
you know, usually I'm doing this with calmness, and this time I'm starting to get, you know, aggressive because, like, my ego is kicking in. And finally I realized, wait a second, I'm not even putting my feet on the ground. I put my feet on the ground, and we lit the thing, and the camera crew just about had a heart attack because the director just thought I was going to die, which, I don't know, who knows? I'm just, I guess, too stupid to lay down and die, but that's my sort of side side note of mind trip. Now, I read in your bio on, on your old website there that both your parents were black belts. Yeah. And did they kick you in the head a little bit too hard? They kicked the shit out of me all the time. <laughs> what would possess you to get into a friggin' electric chair? Um, you know what? It pays better than uh, slaving away for nine hours a day at Mickey D's. God bless people who can do it. I, we need them, and they're stronger than I am. I would definitely rather take a large dose of pain fast than a slow dose of boredom. You know, it's, to me, it's like prison. I would go insane. Those people are way stronger than I am. Real people in the real world, definitely stronger than me or any other wrestler. I guarantee. That's uh, that's just some crazy shit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Willingly. Well, I mean, it's kind of fun in some disgustingly sick kind of way because I mean, just it's the same thing as being in the wrestling ring. You know, you're you're getting you know a whole auditorium of people booing you or yelling for your blood or whatnot. It's a, it's kind of it's a kind of a fun rush. Oh, it's like the adrenaline gets pumping once you, once they whether they cheer you or boo you, you know that they're, they're they're focusing at you. All their energy is focused at you, and it's pumping you up. And you, you must feel less pain than if they weren't. It's it's pretty weird. I mean, it, it's it's a cool weird, but it's it's uh, not normal. I don't think so. <laughs> All right, I right, another question for you coming yes, in. Sir. This is coming off of our website from the. Personal calls himself the wrestling expert, and okay. I'll read this whole little little blurb there. Is there any chance that you return to TNA either with Slash or some other form, former member of Disciples of the New Church? You kind of got to this a little bit. Or possibly get together with the Monster Abyss now that he's managed by the Sinister Minister. All right. Um, well, I don't have any problems with Abyss. Um, I don't have any problems with Jim Mitchell. Jim Mitchell and I are, are very good friends. Um, as far as... Uh, Seeing uh, Nick Simple and Slash back in the TNA ring, cross your fingers, might happen, might not happen. In the wrestling world, you just don't know until you see it. Um, I'd be cool with tagging with Abyss. I think that would make uh, that would make a pretty good uh, creepy family. I definitely think um, AMW and I think Diamonds in the Rough and Team Canada and Naturals. I mean, they better start running if they see Slash Sin and Abyss together. Because that that's scary even to me. I mean, you got Showtime running scared now because Sting might be coming back. <laughs> you got you got Sin and Abyss coming after. I might be running too. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tip you off a little backstage stuff as far as Showtime. He likes to be called Big Earn, Big F and Earn. Just so every fan out there knows, that's his name, Big F and Earn, Big F and Earn. <laughs> and he should be running running scared of uh, Sting because uh, you know why not. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Now I think no, with the sinful character would fit in, and maybe not. I don't think right now at the Undertaker, but back in the day before, before the ministry, when he was coming out, that would be a perfect mix. And now I think he would, the sinful character would blend perfectly as the overpowering factor of the boogeyman in the WWE. Oh, don't even get me started about the boogeyman. All right. Um, Undertaker, he is definitely one of, you know, he was definitely an inspiration, and he's, he is one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, Boogeyman, well, 
know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever floats your boat, I guess. Well, I'm just saying, I can see like your character being like the all-powerful demon, you know what I'm saying? And then having the boogeyman be your little lackey, your little henchman. To well, you know what? The, the thing is, is, is that I'm all about, you know, entertaining. And, you know, my favorite thing is to, is to freak out the kids. I mean, you know, getting, getting adults to, to boo and cheer, whether I'm, you know, a good guy or a bad guy or whatever, whatever's going on, that's fine. That's all. That's fun and part of the job. But I'm a kindergarten cop at heart. I'm a birthday clown at heart. I love to, you know, get the kids either booing or cheering or, you know, whatever my job is that night. And that is my ultra favorite. But at the same time, as, as hokey as that can get and as silly as, as the character can get, I'm a legit carnival freak. That's what I do. I'm not playing some silly character. You know, I'm not, you know, some boogeyman that's under the, under the, the bed or in the closet or whatnot. I'm a legit carnival guy. I'm not from hell. I'm from Toronto, Canada. You know, it's cold here. It's not hot. <laughs> but I am Dave, I'm a legit masochist. I'm a legit pain guy. I dig pain. It's not a problem to me. I'm not weird. I'm quite a friendly, polite, happy-go-lucky dude. But pain to me is not a big deal. And I like it. And that's probably one of the reasons that why I'm a professor. Because, you know, just like, just like Christian said the other night, I, I can take a great ass kicking and come back for more. It's like that uh, that tattoo on your back. That must have hurt like a ha- son of a bitch. That hurt like a mother. You know, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> and what what got me through it was I just I bit down on my knuckles and stared at a poster of uh, that tall blonde chick from Nashville Pussy. Yeah. She got me through all twelve hours of my tattoo. That's a big tattoo. Yes, sir. Yeah. No. It's, uh, it, they told me, they told me that it would it would hurt lower down by my down by my kidneys and not so much up by my muscle but for some reason that whole effing thing killed like a bastard and I mean I can take some pain but just it was just droning and droning and droning like you know when you get a little tattoo somewhere and it sort of numbs out after the first minute well this was all long line strokes because of the feathers and whatnot. so it was basically like the first minute times 12 hours which really did suck if anybody wants to check that out they can go to the original sin at sinwith2ends.com and check out that that you know, that'll link you to his MySpace is myspace.com slash the original sin. And you can check out that tattoo. It's of like like black feathered angel wings on his whole back. It's, it's a sweet-ass tattoo. Yeah, bro, real nice. I want to take a question from the chat room. And this question made doing research on you kind of a pain for us, Sin. What's up with this other Canadian using the name Sin as well? Like, how does that, neither one of his copywriters? Indeed. I don't have, you have the name. The guy? I don't have the name copyright. I know who you're talking about. I actually did a. Uh, I never met the guy, but I've heard about him. Actually, I did a clinic in Montreal a little while ago, basically being Lance Storm's uh, stunt dummy, basically, and that's who he thought he was coming out there to to throw around to uh, teach the, the students. And he was, I guess, he was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't that sin. Um, I don't know enough about this. I don't know anything about this guy. So I keep on hearing, oh, yeah, there's another guy named Sin. There's another one in England, too, I think, even though I've spent a whole ton of time in England and never met that dude there either. But, you know, whatever. I mean, Sin is a universal word. It's just uh, it's just an acronym. So whoever wants to use it, they can use it. But there is only one original Sin. That's what I could have to who does it better. The original Sin is the first one out there. That's right. I don't see that guy in Winnipeg with some crazy wings on his back. I don't see that dude in England with some 
you know, darts hanging out of him or an electric chair underneath his ass. If they want to have an argument over who can hold the name, whoever can sit in the chair the longest wins. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just saying that I want to stand up right now. I'm not even in an electric chair. Yeah. <laughs> no. You know what? I'll tell you something funny about that damn chair. Uh, one time, I was just sort of just shuffling to get comfortable, and when uh, Creepy Scott there, he, he uh, his stage name is Nikolai Diablo, he hit that switch um, just a millisecond faster than I was anticipating, and I shuffled over, and I lifted my ass off of that seat for, I couldn't have been, you know, couldn't have been a quarter of an inch, and that chair just grilled my ass. I had a black, sort of a a black mark on my ass the size of a grilled cheese sandwich after that for about a week. I will never, ever fidget in that damn chair again. Now, you say you had the black mark on your ass. Have you ever missed? Has that, like, the shark ever missed and got you where you shouldn't, where, where no electric shark should ever hit you? <laughs> well, like I said, the closest, uh, unpain- the, the closest painful place I ever got was in, in the ass. So... If you're listening right there and you just heard half of that sentence, I'm not even going to go into that. Uh, well, JP more. takes in the ass, so. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. He takes electric shock. He'll take, you know, someone's boot. You know, <laughs> you know he's, his own, he's a walking storage cabinet right there. I understand. <laughs> now, you've also, if I don't know if, you, if I'm going to bring this up, you've also written some comic books. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah, that's actually what paid... paid uh, put me through wrestling school way back in the day. I, um, ever since I was a kid, I always drew and did like freelance artwork and whatnot. And eventually I, um, I did a comic book called Fred the Possessed Flower, which was just some silly little kind of a horror comedy about uh, a flower, Fred, who was in charge of all the corporate marketing for hell. And, you know, underneath him, he had Boogeyman and Tooth Fairy and Easter Bunny and Santa and all that stuff. And, Satan was basically just like the sort of the sort of the, the dumb boss that just ran it, ran or well owned it while Fred did all the, the lay work and whatnot. And um, I did a bunch of comics, and then I eventually did like a big full graphic novel. And uh, you know, my brother and I we wrote a novel after that, like no no pop up pictures, no nothing. It was just a straight novel. Comics for the kids, this novel for the adults. Yep, basically. So so don't just uh, judge a creepy book yeah, guy's cover, even build. though I am you know some weird pain-indulgent masochist, I can string a few words together, and I can doodle. So there you have it. Now, what... There's no, what, there's no pop-up, so Joe won't be reading that one. Yeah, I don't read anything without pop-ups. Pop-ups with dirty No, but that's all Joe can read. read. That's right on his level. So. I like scratch and sniff, too. <laughs> now, the between careful, the, you're, in the, you're in the wrestling world right now, so be very careful with that. <laughs> now, the, both the comic books and novels, they, can people still pick those up somewhere? Yep, they can get them on theoriginalsin.com. All right, and uh, what about they can the also DVD? pick up the DVD for the Warrior One Wrestling, which they can also see at warriorwrestling.com. Yep, they can go to either or. Um, it's That's warriorwrestling.com, and it's uh, the number one. And uh, yeah, you can uh, you can get it. You can send in money orders, or you can do the PayPal thing. Um, you can see a, a, a trailer on the on the website. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, the guys that edited everything did a really great job. Um, there's a lot of funny stuff. I, when I produced the DVD, the double DVD rather, I really wanted to make sure uh, we went very MTV with it. Like I wanted people that weren't even wrestling fans to be entertained by the DVD. So if you're a wrestling fan, obviously you're going to enjoy the matches because they're some of the best in the world on that day, uh, on that DVD. But I mean, you know, the commentary in between. There's some 
I sort of wanted to piece it together like like the old school uh, Coliseum videos where you'd have, you know, like Sean Mooney and Johnny V throwing to the next match and whatnot and sort of adding in some little comedy shtick and some personality in between everything. And our uh, our host was JT Playa, who is, um, he was a promoter in, in Ontario and uh, Niagara Falls for Neo Spirit back in the day. And now he is a freelance wrestler. And he's basically sort of the, the second coming of Sweet Daddy Seeky with the whole level of Richard Pryor to him. So he's as funny as you can imagine. And uh, him and Jennifer Blake, who is this cute little blonde girl who totally looks lost next to player, but it's funny as heck. And uh, they they announce every match, and it's uh, it's really good. And there's a lot of there's bloopers and outtakes and all sorts of stuff that the fans can see, like all the backstage stuff. It's it's really good. It's done very well. Looking at the band now, and you see Kamala goes bowling. That's something I want to see wrestling fans not. I want to see well, Kamala bowling. Well, when I was when I was putting together the show, like I said, I just I didn't want to think. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of the startup wrestling shows they think very linear, and you know, they could be so much better. They there are so many good, talented guys and girls that are wrestlers. You know, that can put on a heck of a show, but it needs to be promoted and needs to be advertised. God forbid, like a you know a real product. Like there's nothing wrong with wrestling. It just needs to be it just needs to be promoted correctly. You know, look at, I mean, Mr. Man's made a billion dollars off of this business, you know. So, anyway, my my philosophy behind doing my own show was I didn't just go, I mean, I I made sure all the, the wrestling websites and so forth, you know, had info on Warrior One, but I sent it to you know, radio stations and TV stations and newspapers and what have you. And I, I looked for as much advertising and as much PR as I could because I knew that these guys had the skills that, Mass, if the mass people could see it, you know, the wrestling fans and the non-wrestling fans, they'd be entertained. And I really wanted to think outside of the box. And I thought, well, Kamala in a bowling alley, I mean, that's as MTV as you can get. That's as surreal life as you can get. Like, that's just as good as Vince Neil and MC Hammer and Webster eating sushi off of some naked stripper. <laughs> you know, or at least, at least, well, that's as close to my budget as I could do it, getting Kamala in a bowling alley, right. which was totally funny. If you get a question coming out of the chat room, I think. Yeah, from um, Finn, Mark. He wants to know what you thought of your time on the Maritime Tour. The Maritime Tours. Okay. Um, if you ask, again, Showtime, Big Earn. If you ask Helvis. If you ask uh, Big Petey Kingman. Um, anybody that was on that tour, JT Playa, um, you, they will all tell you that was probably the most fun time in their entire lives. Uh, we had a blast terrorizing the Maritimes. Um we got to work, you know, we just looped the entire Maritimes going from Nova Scotia to, to New Brunswick and so forth, all over every town you can imagine. We hit it and we tore it up. And those guys were great, talented guys. Um, a lot of guys that people just don't know about. Like, something that I think a lot of the, the diehard wrestling fans don't realize is just because you haven't heard of some guys doesn't mean that they're not skilled or entertaining or whatnot. You think only the guys that you see on TV you know, that's got to be the end-all, be-all of wrestling. There's a whole universe of other guys that are, are great wrestlers that just maybe haven't got a break or haven't, you know, haven't shown their wares at the right place at the right time or whatnot. But there's some awesome wrestlers. Uh, let me just think, uh, six foot ten Kingman. Uh, you know, this guy is basically, basically Kane size. You know, he can cut a promo like Triple H, and he's the size of Kane. And if that's not money, I don't know what is. And he's a hard-working guy. He knows the business. He just uh, he works mostly overseas, and he's really unknown 
even in Canada, outside of the Maritimes, and he's unknown in, in the U.S., but he's a great talent. He's also on the Warrior One DVD, a close friend of mine who we met in the Maritimes, and uh, he came out, um, you know, to lend his support to the show, and he is he's a really great worker. People would enjoy watching him uh, terrorize the heck out of whoever he's in the ring with. Sounds awesome. That's I can't, I'm going to have to pick that DVD up. Well, right, you now we'll get it. We'll get it. brother. I'll be there. Uh The original sin with two ends. dot com. You can check it out. Pick out. You can pick up his novel. You can pick up his comic books, and you can pick up the DVD. Check it out. We'll be right back at the Irish Whip with Big Joe and JP. I believe Sting uh, Sin might be hanging around with us. We'll be right now, back. Uh, Business advances web hosting. With plans as low as $2.95 per month, you can get the professional web hosting solution that you need. Visit www.businessadvances.com. A total hosting solution at a fraction of the price. Register today and we'll give you 100 free templates to get you started and even more freebies. www.businessadvances.com. Simply business as usual. The Voice of Wrestling with Chris Cash and Big Mike. Lex, I know I know how tar- hard it may be, obviously, and of course, now that you have come forward, uh, as you have mentioned a couple of times, we weren't there. Everybody listening was not there. There were two people there that night, to my knowledge, unless you say otherwise. One more time, can you can you at least take us through that night, as hard as it may be, of of what took place? I might thought you dozed off again. You know, because you know, it was it was what now I don't know what four five in the morning. You know, so I'm thinking everybody go, I go, baby, eat your stuff. You know, it's it's warm, and she didn't respond. I said, Liz, Liz, you know, and and I um, got a little strong with my voice, and she didn't respond. So I walked over to her, took the thing away, and that's when I first noticed she didn't seem right. And um, I uh. The Voice of Wrestling with Chris Cash and Big Mike, live every Monday from 7 to 9 Eastern, leading into Raw. We are the true voice in professional wrestling. We're back. This is JP. I'm here with Big Joe. We still got Sin sitting in with us, and we have another guest coming on. We've got Outback Jack. Jack. Outback Jack. He was the man when I was a kid. Still is. Still is. Damn good. Oh, chaps. You've caught me at a little bit of a loss. I'm not not terribly prepared for this conversation. Ah. Um. What were you gotten your number off of Tim Bale? He had said he was going to set this up for us tonight. Wow. Now you must have forgot to tell me. I apologize for that. If you're not free, if you want to drop off, I com- we completely understand. I mean, maybe um, better to do tomorrow night. Is that suitable to you? Um, shoot. We won't be look, we're, we were off and running, so let's, let's keep going. All okay, right. I apologize for that. Um, so, I'll back. Um, we're going to want to talk a little bit. You're doing the BailCon 06, March 25th. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Um, and that's, it was Tim that hooked us up with you, so we want to talk a little bit about that, of course, and what you'll be doing with them. Yeah. We, of course, want to talk a little about your WWF career. Sure. 
Um, I apologize again for catching you off guard. Um, I was just in the middle of watching Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you got TV all that. Yeah, well, no, no. Unfortunately, I haven't even thought about that. Ah. Now, where, where are you fellas broadcasting from? Um, we're both from Boston. Hmm. And we've got our other guest that's on with us now. We have the original Sin. He's up in Ontario. How you doing, sir? Nice to meet you. Good day there. He's actually, he's here now. He came in. He had to make a quick pit stop from hell. He's going to make sure he get the first ride back. That's it. I was actually I was on another show earlier time telling the best place that I ever thought that I ever wrestled for, for hardcore stuff was Boston Garden, the old Boston Garden. Really, it was always a good show. Yeah, that was it was pretty nuts back then when it was the Garden. I mean, yeah, there was exactly. as many fights in the stands as there were in the ring. Yep. Oh, sometimes the fights in the stands were more entertaining. It was. Uh, I remember one time I was working with Nikolai Volkov, and he told me to duck, and I ducked. A, a, a beer bottle bounced out of the middle of the ring and actually hit Nikolai in the, and the uh, just a little bit below the belt and doubled him over, but didn't hit me in the head. So that was funny. That's probably my father who threw it. Right. So you, you broadcast throughout uh, Boston area. We're in Boston. Right. We go. We're on the internet. We go uh, worldwide on the internet. Hmm. Cool. You had some questions to ask me. We we're going to talk about, like, what will you be doing with Bill Khan? Um, is it, you know, signing autographs, that type of thing? Yeah, that, that's, that's all. I, yeah, I'm, I'm too old and out of shape to get in the ring. <laughs> now, when you were in the ring, how'd you get your start there? Oh, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, in, in Australia, in a, in a pub in Humpty Doo, Northern Territory, and the uh, WWF was doing a world tour, and they were in Australia, and... Uh, we happened to meet up one one morning on a Saturday. We were going to wrestle in Darwin, and uh, they walked into the pub while we were all having beers, and it was uh, like watching fellas come to life off, t- off the satellite television. So that's where we used to watch them, you know. Oh, wow. I've been, I've been down to Australia. I was down there when I was in the service, and huh. Australians are legendary drinkers. Now, yeah, yeah. Andre the Giant was a legendary drinker. Yes, where would you drink compare to him? Oh, Andre used to drink wine. Uh, I used to drink beer. Um, I guess the days went by, I could easily drink a case of uh, case of cans. That's uh, a lot of beer. Uh, Andre used to drink. He used to drink uh, wine uh, quite uh, quite abundantly. <laughs> drink it by the orchard. <laughs> Which service branch of the service were you? I was in the navy. Ah, cool. I spent a couple weeks down there. I hit Good. Brisbane. I hit Perth. I had a good, good time. This wish I can remember most of it. There you are. <laughs> Truly, it was like that, isn't it? Oh, and uh, I get the pictures, though. I don't know how. I get the pictures that came out with me, but uh, just the memory's not there. You know, little little Fozzie, those Foster's oil cans can do some damage. Yes, Foster's oil cans can. If you managed to get to Darwin, you'd have drink, drink, drunk a couple of Darwin stubbies. That would have, that would have rocked you, babe. I sat down at the bar, and I had these the, the, the Australian woman, the Sheila's coming up to me, and oh, my God, they were buying me drinks. and oh, It's like they had hollow legs. They just never got drunk. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then they told you, lay down. I think I love you. <laughs> <laughs> now, at your time in the WWE, who was your favorite, who was your favorite opponent? Uh, who did I work against? Well, I, I, I really enjoyed working against uh, uh, King Kong Bundy. He was uh, sizable and, uh, and, you know, he knew his, knew his stuff. He was, he was good to work with. Never missed a spot. Timing was perfect. But he's still, I've seen some tapes of him in the, over the past, you know, recent years, and he's still, 
doesn't seem to miss any of the spots or anything. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it, he, you know, he's he's a consummate professional without a doubt. Nope. <clears throat> so, since so he's looking at Australia, how did you wind up over here? Just well, I, I was working uh, on a cattle station. They came into the pub and uh, but, oh, okay, so. That's that's how it all happened, and they uh, they invited me over after I took them out to a cattle station, and the cattle station I was working on, Arnold Scolan was an, an agent that was uh, with the fellas, I, I guess, uh, Hillbilly Jim and Junkyard Dog, and um, oh. Hammer Valentine and uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake came uh, came into the pub and wanted to see what a, a real life Australian outback pub was like. So, and you showed them the ropes. I'm looking here. I'm looking at your bio and obsessed with wrestling. It shows here that you had a match with Rick Rude, and in, in, in December of '87, and he made you submit. Is that well, that was uh, an Australian he, he, win. I, if I remember that right, he threw me over the over his shoulder in that uh, crucifix. Is it? Yeah. Uh, that was in a TV match in uh, in Port Myers. Yeah, that was a that was a t- I wasn't real impressed with that, but hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. I mean, it had to be something moving from Australia, you know, coming over here and just becoming a pro wrestler, being you know wrestling in front of Madison Square Garden and the Boston Garden. That had to it be. was a, it was a it was a lifestyle change. That is for sure. Big culture shock. Yep, completely, completely. What have you done after your wrestling career? Like, did you did you still after your WWF career? Did you stay in wrestling? No, no, I, uh, I I stopped wrestling in about 1990, and uh, I went into uh, uh, the financial markets. I worked in Lehman Brothers in Boston for uh, a bunch of years. Oh, well, right here, huh? Yeah, right there, yeah. Now, I got a question coming in from my chat room for you, Outback. It's uh, coming from Professor VNS. His question is, where and when did you wrestle your first match? I, the re- the first match I wrestled in North America, um, well, I wrestled in Canada a little bit, of course, because uh, I, I got to the United States um, and was sent over to Calgary, where I was trained by Les Thornton, a man of a thousand holes, and, uh, and tra- traveled around on the Stu Hart's territory out there through Calgary, Manitoba, Toronto, all the, all of Canada. And uh, so that would probably be the first match would have would have been in Edmonton, um, and who have, I can't remember who I wrestled, but in the U.S. the first match I had was uh, uh, against Steve Lombardi um, in Quick Grief over in St. Petersburg or something like that in, in over in Tampa. That was a TV match. And of course, I won. <laughs> Now, like you had a you had a fairly short tenure in the WWE, but that that short tenure transcended into a twenty year career. Basically, yeah, yeah. I was I was with them for on and on and off about about four years. Yeah. Now, what would you prefer taking a, a, a taking a splash by Bundy or working a cattle ranch again? Hmm, I'd prefer to own the cattle ranch. <laughs> No, um, but uh, taking a splash from Bundy, uh, that's, that was about as tough as taking an elbow from, uh, um, flying elbow from, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Good grief, now I've had an Alzheimer's moment. Um, Randy Savage. Macho Man. Yeah. yeah. You see, I'd rather take the splash and have to, you know, work with some cows and stuff. 
just doesn't seem like it'd be a whole lot of fun. Cattle stations are interesting. The the beasts on the cattle station weigh about the same as Bundy, so it's really six or one half a dozen the other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who smelt worse? Who smelt worse? Um, Well, that's also a (laughs) toss-up. Are you a wrestling fan now? I watch it from time to time. Um, it's it's a little tough to watch. I mean, uh, when I was back in '86, was I, I believe was the modern heyday for want of a better term. You know, I mean, I used to watch it when I was a, a young kid. You know, I, good grief, I remember um, Lou Fairs, Red Bastine, um, uh, Roy Haffernan, and Lou Costello with the the Kangaroos from Australia. They were they were big names. They were world, world tag champions. With NWA was at the, the top of the sign. But the you know the WWF when I when I was there in '86 and we did WrestleMania three and so on and so forth. That's the that's the modern heyday. And uh, nowadays, I, I the wrestling's fabulous. The moves they do and their athleticism is just spectacular. Yeah. The uh, the, the risks the, the moves are so high risk. It's, it's just it's staggering. Yeah, there's a lot of high-flying now. It's a lot less, you know, back then it was kind of all the big guys, and they kind of strayed off of that a little bit for the smaller guys that can do the, you know, all the flips and everything else in the ring that I can't even dream of doing. Well, they're, they're, look, some, some fellas could do it. Like Tom McGee was a, a chap that came in for a little yeah. while. Was, uh, he, he could do a backflip, do a black foot, backflip off his uh, just standing there for it. I mean, uh, wow. he was uh, incredible, but... Uh, yeah, the, the I guess also the other thing that was fairly clear back then was uh, the villains and the uh, heroes were fairly defined and easy. There was an easy line drawn on the sand of who was who, and it's it's very tough to see who's a who's a who's got an agenda and who doesn't now. You know, we got a couple of questions coming in for you from the chat room again. This one's coming from Gary Brown. He's over in uh, over in England. He wants to know, what do you consider to be a greatest match and or opponent? Greatest match? Um, personal favorites, I had a match one time with the Mighty Hercules. And we were in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And we had to get 40, 45 minutes. That was just an absolute rip snorter of a match. It was unbelievable. Even for today's that one is, is one of my favourites. Is probably the top of the top of the matches. And then, of course, um, there are a couple of um, Royal Rumbles on telly that I had that I enjoyed. But that one would be the well. Oh, actually, another one I had that I, I really enjoyed was at the uh, the um, Good Grief over in the Meadowlands with uh, uh, the King Harley race. I, I did. I did twenty five minutes with the, with Harley Race. That was because uh, he was an all time legend, and that was that was just brilliant in my mind. Another question coming in real quick for you is from Woody. He's over in Ireland, and he wants to know: Can you still go in the ring? And uh, part two is: When was your last match? Your last match, and who was it with? My last match was with Greg the Hammer Valentine, and that was in Orlando, Florida, I believe, around nineteen ninety. Um, and I haven't been, no, I haven't been in, the, in the ring for. 16 years. Any aspects of possibly signing one of the WWE Legends contracts and getting back in the ring, making some appearances for them? No, no, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that Vince and I um, are, uh, are the best of friends anymore. Uh oh. You want to elaborate a little bit, or no? Okay. <laughs> um, got a question coming in now from the chat room from Professor VNS. Um, did you get a ch- 
chance to engage in any high-profile feuds? And if you did, who was it with? Yeah, I, I did have a, a, a fairly high-profile feud with Killer Khan for a long time, um, and that was mainly to set up uh, Hulk for WrestleMania Four. Um, that was a good thing. I mean, uh, although Killer Khan was as dumb as a box of rocks and, and weighed about as much too. Um, he, uh, he and I and, and Fuji went round and round for a, quite a long time. That's, did you get hit with the mist? Yeah, I did actually. I did. And the stupid bugger, he bloody, in, uh, let's see, this was in Landover, Maryland. He was supposed to get out of the way as I was coming back. I was off the top rope and he rolled underneath me and I, I hit my head on his knee, the back of my head on his knee and I uh, detached the retina, 280 degree retinal tear in my right eye. So that my right eye uh, is uh, pretty much cactus now. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds painful. It, 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 a bit of a headache at the time, but it wasn't until later on when somebody flashed a shot a flashlight in there that I realized that uh, I was in a spot of bother. And the fact that I can't see out of it now also uh, is a bit of a clue. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that mess, like, you know, people don't realize when they're doing that, you're still, you're putting something in someone else's eye no matter what it is, so. Oh, sure, sure. Repercussions, you know. I want to just go back to the... I want to make sure we plug the Beocon. Um, Absolutely. At the Holiday Inn, 1800 Belmont Ave in Baltimore, Maryland, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. I'll be there I'll be there for the, from 11 to 7, pending, of course, toilet breaks. <laughs> there's some huge... There's some other names there that are humongous. I mean, yourself, of course, you know, Captain Lou Albano, um... New Jack, Kamala, Vanish Miller. So, I mean, to anyone in the Baltimore area, I mean, it's $10 admission. You'd be nuts not to check this out if you're a wrestling oh, fan. or Absolutely. Absolutely. Film stars as well, so. Um, oh, for sure. Just a fan of nostalgia in itself and, you know, anybody with of a legend, legend status in any type of field, you know, that's where you want to go. Well, look, it's, it's one thing to sit back and admire the, you, you, what's, what a person that's been your fan for, for yonks. And if you can, you know, if you can meet the cover charge and come in for 10 bucks and sit down and, and have a chat and answer the, and uh, ask questions of your, of your, you know, your, your long-time heroes, then why not do it? Right. That's, it's a great opportunity. Um, you bump, get up and close. It's not like you're watching them on TV or, you know, standing behind the barrier. You get right up there, you know, shake hands and you know, get your picture signed. Yeah, it's it's you know that's something that's something people will you know, bring their bring their bring their kids to see. You know, this is the guy I grew up watching. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a whole it's like a rite of passing. I remember my father bringing me to places like that around here up in Boston when some somebody would come up here for an appearance. They would bring me and say, "Oh, this is who I you know being a kid. I don't want to go see him. I don't know who he is, but you know when he tells you, this is who I I grew up watching. This is who you know who I used to look up. This I was a fan of his when I was your age." And that's what you know. That's what's going to make your legacy yeah. live on and on. Absolutely, it makes perfect sense. And you know, it's, it's almost uh, silly as it seems to run a baseball analogy. It's like you know, um, a dad taking his uh, taking his son to uh, a baseball match for the first time, baseball game for the first time, and going into you know Fenway Park, and you know, knowing that uh, I watched Carl Yastrzemski run the bases, and uh, and uh, you know all the others. 
Do you do a lot of these, like the autograph signings? This is the very, very first one. Wow. Very, very first one. So, again, if, uh, make sure you get to the Holiday Inn, everybody, because uh, this is my first one. And, you know, if, it, if it's quite real, quite successful, maybe you'll get another. So you might get a, just a one-time exclusive autograph from Outback Jack and uh, and all the other chaps there. I think Bundy's going to be there. Uh, Jimmy and Johnny Valiant are going to be there. And, uh, as you said, Kamala. That was it's going to be when, quite the collection. Um, who's who of wrestling legends? The person who put me in touch with um, Tim was... Brad, who runs ObsessedWithWrestling.com, and he told me the only way he was getting, giving me Tim's contact info was if we got you on the show, which, <laughs> unbeknownst to you until about 20 minutes ago, we did. Well, it's an honor having you on. I know you don't do very many interviews, if you do any at all, and you, you, I know you like to live, lead a private life. Uh, I, no, I lead, I lead a very private life. I, I haven't done anything. Well, wrestling hadn't re- raised its ugly head to me. I did a, a Where Are They Now thing for the WWF magazine um, back in, I guess, quick grief, was it June last year? I remember reading it. June or July, it was the first time it had come out. Uh, um, and then, lo and behold, uh, a radio interview earlier tonight, and then this one tonight. So, so shocked to the if I remember correctly, I think it says you work in the stock market or something to that effect. Yeah, exotic um, uh, exotic options and futures uh, and, co- and contracts on uh, on uh, foreign currency, foreign exchange. Oh, for a second, did they going to say you were an exotic dancer? No, no, no. That's my garter belt. That's a fan base for a whole different, you know, whole different Yeah, that's general. something you want to talk to Freud about, not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's too up close and personal, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. You want to bring the fans in, not scare them away? Is that what you're saying? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Although there's probably, uh, I do give good phones, so there's probably a, a, a lady or two out there that wants to be charmed by the dulcet tones of Outback Jack. I could, I could be talking to that. Take it for a trip down under. Yeah. <laughs> I right, think about being down. I'm not for sure. <laughs> another question coming in for you from the Professor VNS out of the chat room. He wants to know that uh, you were billed as Outback Jack in um, up in Stuart Stampede. And he was the where, where did the Outback Jack came, name came from? Other than you know, being from Australia and all. Well, I was always called Jack. Um, I, I used to hang out with my, my dad's brother, uh, who Uncle Jack, who was uh, you know I spent a bunch of years with him, so I was called Little Jack. And then uh, when they bumped into me over in the uh, in the Humpty Doo pub, um, and Vince brought me over, he said we're going to call you Outback Jack. So that's uh, that's the birth of Outback Jack. And how many names Vince has given people over the years? Well, he has a fertile imagination, doesn't he? Yeah, he, like, like, like I guess Santa said earlier, he made him a billion dollars. Made him a million dollars, for sure, for sure. Oh. Right, what, what was that, JP? No, um, no, you said you don't really go back to the wrestling, but you do you still get recognized in that type of thing? Oh no, 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 not at all, mate. I, you know, I, I'm old and grey now. I'm, you know, 48 years of age. I've got grey hair and I wear a black patch on my elbow. People uh, yeah, occasionally yeah. a, a shooter asks me about the black patch, so I can tell them a, a nice big lie to get into their panties. That's about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now at BLCon, you'll be wearing, you know, the trademark le- leather vest and all that, right? Uh, no, the, 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 unfortunately, the leather vest and and uh, dearly beloved Irving has uh, they've disappeared into the dust. But I, I, I do have some relics that I, you, you'll you'll be able to recognize Outback Jack. There'll be no missing him. 
so you're basically saying some collector has that up on his shelf somewhere. Oh, no, not at all. No, when I say uh, Irving returned to dust, I mean, he's dust. Oh. He's, he's gone for good. Oh, right. but, uh, I, you'll, I'll have my uh, my leather dry as a bone on and uh, a nice old, uh, very summarized uh, uh, Australian bush hat. And, the gator uh, tooth uh, necklace? No, the, I, actually, the, 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 the um, crocodile necklace, I was um, doing a European tour, and I, I went into the ring, I was wrestling uh, Volkov and uh, Nikolai Volkov, and Stan the Crows, if I give it to the person that carries the gear all the way back to the to the dressing room, and uh, everything got back there, my hat, my vest, but uh, the old crocodile necklace went missing. Uh-oh. So I haven't had that thing for a long, long time. That's on somebody's shelf. Yeah, that's on somebody. Or oh, oh, dangling around some shoeless panties. <laughs> so I was not going in the panties. That might hurt. Oh, yes, that would, of course. Oh, you know, <laughs> somebody might be inventive enough to put a piece of wire through it and pierce their belly button with it, you know. Hey, pierce gold and die bone. The amount of teeth on that thing. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's BillCon. That's going to be March 25th. What's the address again, JP? 1800-something uh, around. 1800s, Baltimore? It's in Baltimore. Holiday Inn in Baltimore. Um, I don't have the address right in front of me, but it's March 25th, and it's 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And, you know, some of the biggest names in wrestling history, Outback Jack, The Valiant, Captain Lou, King Kong Bundy, I think. When I talked to Tim, he told me the Iron Sheik. So, I mean, anyone who's an old-school wrestling fan, you know, a fan from the 80s, the kayfabe era, that will you know, be there. For 10 bucks, man, you can't beat that. Can't beat that with the stick, yeah. Cool. All right, so I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up right now. Uh, Outback Jack, thank you very much for this honor of having you on the rarest of interviews that you do. This is a great. I, again, we apologize for catching you off guard. Uh, the honor's all mine. Thank you for remembering me. Oh, how can you forget? How can we forget? All right, chaps, thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. Outback Jack, make sure you check him out. Apologize for the short notice on that. All right. Okay, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. All right, this is the Irish Whip with Big Joe and JP. We'll catch you next week when we have a very, very big show planned. JP, you want to let, let the news out? Well, I mean, I know we got, you know, Captain Lou Albano, but I think he's bringing someone with him, Joe. Someone or someone? There might be a few people with him. Um, Jimmy and Johnny. I know Jimmy's been on the show before. Um, yeah, we're looking at Captain Lou with the Valiant on the show, and this, as far as I know, is the first time the three of them have done an interview together. We're going to have them all tied up together, three of them all at the same time, for the hour. It's going to be a trip. And up on the train ride, just Jack, sit back I'll make and sure that these guys all know about this beforehand. Yeah, we'll have to definitely clear that up, make sure that that's, you know, we don't want to run into it. Up back was a stand-up guy for not hanging up in your face, but, you know, yeah. hey, worked out pretty good. Nice guy, hell of a guy. Oh, yeah. And a legend, so. Oh, and so make sure you check us out next week. We have Captain Lou and the Jimmy and Johnny Valiant on the show. Have a good week, everybody. All right, everyone, take it easy. This is the Irish Whip. We'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>